Welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, I am so glad we survived. <laughs> I knew I was going to make it. This is the second time I had to deal with it. Yeah, so listeners of the podcast will know that if you listened last week, I was dying because of my allergies last week. Turns out, well, not allergies. allergies. Yeah, it was something a little different. Um, and the big thing about it, too, is like I thought it was allergies because you always get sick around that time with allergies. Every I was year. suffering through allergies at the same time because yep. we had really bad windstorms. So I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure if we went back on like previous year's episodes right, and listened mm-hmm. to it, I'm sure I had a raspy voice. I'm sure I was sneezing and coughing a bit. Yeah. You know, that that's an unfortunate thing of where we live in the desert, it's very arid, it's very dry. And when that wind kicks up. And when that wind kicks up, it hurts, right? Mm-hmm. And so we suffer from allergies pretty bad. Yeah. And that's what I was certain I had. To the point, you have a track record with your doctor's right. office. <laughs> yeah, I, my doctor, I, I ended up going in the following day after the episode and, and checked with the doctor. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do our normal things. We'll check for flu and, and strap and, and COVID and all that stuff. But really, we're looking at your records every year. You're here for this exact same reason. And I did have a sinus infection at the time. So I was like, okay, here it is. And then when t- 10 minutes later, when the doctor walks in with a mask on, it suddenly got real. Yeah. I, this is the very first time I ever got positive for COVID. Finally had it. And, and this shame. is the second time for me. Yeah. Um, I got tested about two days after you got tested when you told me. And the doctor yeah. was like, yeah, you have it. And so I'm like, all right, that's sure fine. Enough. Yep. And that's funny because the doctor even told me, this is the second time you've had it within five months. You're going to be fine, um, more than likely. Yeah. I have the antibodies in my system, so yeah. and it it was actually much more mild than my first time. So, yeah, and and as unfortunate as it was, and it and it is unfortunate. And again, I apologize for putting you in in harm's way. It's all good. But this is a week later. You and I are both doing pretty good. Yeah, both we went um, through a quarantine period. Yep, uh, we absolutely did. And um, I've masked up for most of it too, and mm-hmm. stayed away from the family. We quarantined really well. Yeah. Um, but you know, truth is, this is a week and a day later. Yep. And we're filming for a reason, because I done got you sick anyway. <laughs> it's not like this is going to rehappen. Yeah, exactly. And we have a convention in less than a month away, and yeah. we're like, Let, this is how we prepare for this. Yeah, yeah. So we have about, uh, from live recording, mm-hmm. we will get our Chits and Giggles for March recorded before we go to Gamma. Yep. So everything Two will more be, episodes. There, there would be no break for the audio and YouTube listeners. Yep. It's just going to be straightforward. There is going to be a bit of a break for the Twitch followers, but sure. pay attention. Depends on what kind of internet we get. We might be streaming, uh, determining through either through our phones or something like that yeah. while we're at Gamma, just so you all can get the information. And also while we're there, by the way, if if you guys happen to subscribe to Twitch, that's awesome. We appreciate you. We'll see. We might do an episode there. It's unlikely, but more than likely, we're going to be announcing soon that we're going to be doing. And Instagram. Yeah, we're going to be doing a couple things. We're going to be doing Instagram. I think we're going to do some like TikTok stuff or just transfer them over to TikTok. Mm-hmm. I, we're going to do sure. Instagram and YouTube uh, shorts, Instagram reels, yep. little short form stuff. Uh, we're going to do Instagram for we can post photos from Gamma, stuff we're seeing, stuff where you yep. all can see. Uh, yeah, we're just going to do all of that. Uh, I don't know when we're going to start it up. I think relatively soon. Yeah. I think what I want to do is for like our tests is our all-day game on Sunday, yep. when we're only playing one game that <laughs> Sunday. Which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, so, but looking forward to it, so pay attention, we'll give you the information, uh, it'll probably be added to our outro uh, once it starts going, yep. uh, but yeah, we'll figure it out uh, when we get that information. We're going to start it up soon, and it's partly because of the stuff that we're going to be doing at Gamma, they want us to, to take pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. So stay posted, stay tuned, we're going to be posting some media there, and we're excited to bring you all the latest, greatest news. Trust me, as soon as we hear about something, as long as we get a thumbs up that we're allowed to film it, we'll film it, we'll talk about it, we'll tell you guys all about it. We want to be the first breaking news as best as we can. A lot of news has already been, uh, not leaked, but is being released out there. The thing about Gamma, it's the same thing with E3. Uh, back in the day, is that not all the news is going to be at Gamma now. They're already letting all that news. Like, 
Uh, we're going to be talking with Inside Up Games there. Yeah. They've already announced the expansion, which is going to be at Kick- on Kickstarter, I think, around the time we're in Gamma for their... For oh, Earth crap. Is- <laughs> I can't afford that. No. <laughs> I can't afford that. Not while we're on a trip. I already have few hundred in a Kickstarter oh, right now. You're telling me, good. Oh my Lord. goodness, Queen Games. Come on. Seriously. Anyway, we're gonna get to that. But yeah, stay tuned. We'll announce it more at the end of the podcast, and we'll discuss this probably during the after show today. Yeah. All right. With that being said, though, today we have a board game brainstorm. This is our last one before the Gamma Trade Show, and we wanted to break down a classic game, a modern classic that took the world by storm when it came out. Yeah. Yeah, and, it did. It really... And this one hurt. This one racked my brain. And even then, I'm not, like, very pleased with my uh, sure. choices, but I, yeah. I'm okay with my choices. Yeah, I'm pretty confident with my choices as well. Um, and, and I think I can... One of them's questionable, but I, I'm going to make my case for it, and you'll... I'll let you... A lot of them are that. questionable, we'll, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll get to it. But also, mainly, tomorrow, for those of you guys who have significant others, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. For for uh, the audio listeners and YouTube listeners, this is about two weeks later. If <laughs> you're hearing this now, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, no, tomorrow, <laughs> that's tomorrow, you missed it. Yeah, you I'm missed sorry. It, yeah. And that's that's on you. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you other than you done messed up. <laughs> but if you're watching us live, that's why you need to subscribe because we bring you the late breaking news of hey tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Day. Yep. So we figured love letter would be the best option for this week. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you mentioned it. Our Valentine's Day episode, that one we made for Valentine's uh-huh. Day, uh, actually went live yesterday, uh, and that one specifically is our favorite games, our spouses love, or, or our spouses' favorite games. Is yep. I think what it's titled. Yep. So that was live yesterday, so if you want to listen to it or you want to go check it out on YouTube, uh, you can. It is live now. So Awesome. All right, so let's get into it. But before we do, Daniel, what do you do outside of... Ga- that's that's such a lame question. Yeah. How, did I word, how do I word this better? You know, believe it or not, Daniel do? and I have lives <laughs> outside of gaming. Though and we- especially lately, we have not gotten <laughs> any gaming lately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and nor will we until next week. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... I think I yeah because I'm gonna be busy this uh, this weekend honestly because um, yep. we were supposed to meet up with our friends to play gaming my other gaming group yep they had to cancel the week weekend before because she had an allergic reaction to medication ooh and then That's I nice. had to cancel this weekend because <laughs> I tested positive for COVID sorry about that again not a problem and so they're like okay how about the next weekend I'm like. I can't. I gotta go to a wedding. So, <laughs> so I've yours. Been... No, no, I'm already been married. <laughs> Speaking uh, of Valentine's Day, uh, so yeah, it's just a busy week, and then that Sunday we're doing our gaming thing. So yeah, I won't even get to see them till like the the last week in February uh, yeah. before we leave for Gamma because they're going away on a trip in March because that's the <laughs> spring break time. Yeah, it and is. So, so they're going to be gone in that March. I'm going to be in Gamma. So it's just yeah. like, oh my God, we're only going to see each other once in the entire month of, and yeah. we see them like every other weekend practically. So it's it's kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, the thing I've been doing outside of gaming though, uh, other than the Super Bowl, I was like, I don't want to bring up the Super Bowl. I've talked about a lot of sports. Yeah, but bit, who knew you were a sports fan, by the way? I don't know, uh, but. The one thing I've been doing outside of gaming a lot of recently, too, is video gaming. Um, I mentioned this before. I, I'm a big video gamer. In fact, I was a bigger video gamer before I got into board games. Mm-hmm. And that basically took a, a sidestep to um, because of board gaming. I spend more money on board games than I do video games nowadays. Mind you, I can get one board game for the price of a video game nowadays, yeah, too. Right. They're both as epic. <coughs> so the big thing about it here is... I got the Spider-Man 2 uh, mm-hmm. for Christmas, and I played the mess out of that one. Um, so much so, I started Spider-Man 1 again. Uh, just to try to trophy hunt, as well as you know get the whole story brought up again. And then another game that I've been a big fan of, uh, the Persona series, they released Persona 3 Reloaded, which is a remake of the original Persona uh, 3 game. I've been playing the mess out of that one. I'm actually close to beating it. But a big part about this, too, is one of my favorite games, another one of my favorite games of all time, is getting a, a remake. Well, this is the part two. It's coming out at the end of this month, and that's Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the original one was like Rebirth or, or Final Fantasy VII Remake, and this one is like Reloaded or something like that. But oh. yeah, 
I'm looking forward to that part of it. Uh, I've been dabbling a little bit into Baldur's Gate. Now I haven't gone too deep or down that rabbit hole like other people. Though I have specifically beaten Baldur's Gate 3. However... Technically, yeah. Technically, you yeah. saw me beat it. Yep. I saw you beat it real quick. <laughs> that was only in the second act. Uh, so there is a lot more going into it right now. I'm in the third act. I'm doing some stuff around there. But yeah, I just... A lot of I mean, time. beat it is a relative term. I got the trophy for beating the game. No, Therefore, I know. I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, completing a mission that's like a mainline mission. It, no, it gave it me the, the game completed trophy that I did what I had to do and right. won the game. I no, just did I, it in the I second act. And I it's thought that was amazing. Just the way you did it is. It was hilarious. It is pretty funny. Because it shocked me. You weren't even sure what was going on. And my no. wife started laughing. He's like, you literally just beat the game by doing whatever you just did right now? I'm like, yep. yep. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to... I, I do enjoy uh, video games. I'm looking forward to some of the stuff that's coming out. Another one, the uh, big one that's coming out for me, as you can tell, I'm a huge uh, baseball fan. Uh, the new uh, MLB The Show is going to be coming out, and hopefully they've upgraded from the previous years and they get some more new stuff. So I am looking forward to this, uh, all this coming up. So cool. Well, outside of outside of gaming, I've been uh, sick. And that's, that's been my whole life. To, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, we already did. But I have been uh, very much tracking a boat lately. The past mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got the information about that, too. Yes. I've I been following a shipping container called the Everlucid. But this is not outside gaming. I, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I have been tracking it very, very intently. Because as of yesterday... The, the Everlucid boat landed at the port in Tacoma, Washington. Mm-hmm. Now, why does any of this matter? Listeners of the podcast know that yours truly has designed a game called Matches. And that has finally left the left the factory from China, sailed across the Pacific, and now landed. It is now in the United States. Still going to be a few weeks to unload, get everything logistically ready. But that means Matches is coming. Just so you know, we're going to hold a contest that soon. But really, what I've been doing outside of gaming, as far as survival mode goes, I couldn't do much this past week or so, but I did accomplish something fairly recently, is that I finished a whole TV series that I had been that I had begun a number of months ago. Okay. This is The Last Kingdom. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the the Viking one. Yeah, and I, I got into it because I heard that John DeClaire, mm-hmm. great designer, is making was making a game based off of it through Gameland Games. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out. I like medieval history or like fan fiction, you know. Yeah. It, it is loosely based off of like, you know, the Saxons versus, you know, pretty much everywhere else in the UK. And um, specifically against the Danes at, at the beginning of it. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of shenanigans. And it follows a character named Uhtred. Uhtred of Bebenberg, where basically he was a Saxon... That was effectively abandoned by his family and picked up uh, by a Danish family of people who were coming in of warriors Mm -hmm. and basically conquered the town. And instead of slaughtering them like they could have, they basically took him under his wing and forever he is now eternally conflicted between his adopted family who really did care for him and the Saxon family, which is he is the rightful owner of this castle. And that's kind of his overarching mission is to get this castle back um this is the first episode by the way that was just episode number one and i didn't even touch base on most of it the first episode was fantastic it was really intriguing it's like okay there's a lot of character development if it reminded me a lot of like the first episode of game of thrones you know like that first episode there's just a lot to take in all of a sudden Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And then throughout the first season of both of the shows, Game of Thrones and this one, I'm like, I can see the similarities. I can see why Netflix was pushing the show. Um, I was already about a season and a half in before I got sick, and then I binged all of the rest of it. I finished up the whole series. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was fine. 
Yeah, the thing is... Yeah, it was fine. It's like some of these Viking shows, uh, sure. some of them are real... Like, Vikings was a really, really good show. Yeah. But it just kind of lost its way, along at the same time as Game of Thrones. Yeah. So that's the reason why I didn't really get into Lost Kingdom. And a big part of it, too, for me, mm-hmm. is I was a, his, a history major mm. uh, when I went to college, before I transferred over to medical field. Yeah. Uthrid, or I think that's his name, Uthrid. Yep. Uh, he's an actual historical figure. He he actually oh, really? lived. There okay. are are uh, historical facts about him, and so when I was like listening to other scholars, because I follow like the History of Everything podcast and just like other okay. different uh, history people, they were saying it's not completely accurate. And I, I'm, oh sure, and I am, should it be right? I'm completely fine with you know being entertaining for the show and not being as um, historically accurate. Yeah. My thing is, too, is, like, don't get stuff... Like, there's a reason why I do not want to watch the new Napoleon shit movie. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, with the... As much as I like Joaquin Phoenix, as much as I like how it goes, there is a scene in... I just saw in the trailer where they're shooting cannons and they're hitting the, the, the pyramids. I'm like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. No. Wait, from France, they're shooting it. No, okay. well, they're fighting I was about Egypt. To say, there, like, there, hold there on. was a battle in uh, against okay. Egypt, or, or during that time under Napoleon's reign, because he was conquering the world like Alexander the Great. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're shooting and they're firing at the thing. I'm like that. That that takes people out of it, and that's the same reason why I wasn't a big fan of Red Tails. It a lot of the stuff that they were going in there. It's one thing about telling a dramatic story of something historical, right. and it's the stuff that's just basically t- right. uh, telling falsehoods. Right. And see, here's the thing: like my wife, she never she watched most of the beginning of the series, but yeah. when I started binging it, she ended up getting very frustrated because it seemed like it was like, oh look, another woman love interest. Like, oh, here's his next like female fling. Here's the next woman that he's like, you know, betting and whatnot. Yeah. And and the frustrating part about it is that at no point did they fully, like, flesh out a lot of the characters. In fact, even, like, the beginning of the fourth season, they brought in, like, two, like, hardcore characters out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and basically played them off like everybody knew about them. And they were, like, super uh, manipulative and they were able to to manipulate different things and they were into, like, they already knew the king, they already knew, like, this part, they already knew this person. It's like... You were never brought up before. Like, none of this was a thing. Yeah. Like, and you're trying to play it off like it was. Instead, like, they could just introduce the character and then build them. And I felt like a lot of that was lost on it. It, it They just didn't have that substantive writing that I was looking for. Um, there was some great parts. There was a, some interesting battle scenes. I like a lot of the characters. But I, it was not one of those things that I was legitimately impressed with. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things. It's like I'll, I'll get into it uh, when I I can, but I'm just like when I was sick. Honestly, I was just watching yeah. a lot of uh, like TikToks or just old shows. That, like yeah. I was watching more of The Sopranos than anything because I was just catching up on what. Now, I, so, now Sopranos still is above this. No, yeah, yeah Sopranos is just an amazing show. But even yeah. though even though a lot of the episodes that Sopranos did, they had the overarching story. Yes, but. A lot of them were more serialized, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the story was contained in the one episode, one episode yeah. which is fine, but I like the fact that they were like the, one of the first shows to really try and go, okay, we could tell a story that's more than an episode long. The, uh, you see more of that when it goes into the more overarching towards yes. the back end of the season, or right. the, like the last few seasons, because that's when it right. really built up for the war. Exactly, yeah. And that that's where I appreciated that. That was great. Hey, nice, Sora. Nice to see ya. Yeah, so overall... Last Kingdom, I would give it a six and a half out of ten. Okay. If I reviewed it. Alright, sounds good. Alright, shall we get into today's episode? Sure thing. Daniel, tell them what we're talking about. We are going to be talking about a board game brainstorm of Love Letter. The way we do this is we take our five criteria from the top eight debate, and we come up with five different games that give you the feel of Love Letter. So if you're a fan of Love Letter or just kind of burnt out of it, we're giving you options to give you that realistic... Again, we're using the five criteria that we use in our top eight debate. This includes ease of play, replay value, meaningful choice, game immersion, and art and production. That's right. And we like to take an an episode... We like to take a game that is at least 10 years old. Love Letter is certainly that. But the reason we picked Love Letter is... 
not only just because of the holiday coming up, this is one of those games that was just wildfire when it came out. It is literally 18 cards and some tokens to keep track of points. That's all. The tokens aren't necessary to play the game. Mm -hmm. The game itself is those 18 cards. And technically, out of those 18 cards, only nine of them are different. And so, it's huge. It Like, the number of, the amount of choice that's in there shouldn't be that valuable yeah. compared to how few their components are. And it's from a Japanese designer. Forgive me, I do not remember the name off the top of my head. Sasaki, I think? Yeah, something like that. And, and they were brought in, Love Letter was brought in to the United States uh, through AEG, who really kicked it off. They've been countless spinoffs, and there's a bunch of other versions that we're going to probably talk about during the episode. Mm -hmm. But Love Letter, when it was hot, it was hot. Everyone knew, knew Love Letter. And everyone was playing it pretty much anywhere. This was proof that a micro game had legs. So, let's get into our episode today. So we're going to begin this right now with ease of play. And this is, how would, how do, would you describe ease of play? Uh, the way we have it down is it's if it's easy to teach, learn, or uh, understand. In fact, I think I have the stuff right here for us to... Nope, nope, that is not the one. Okay. I pulled up the wrong one, but ease of play is, if is the game easy to learn? Is it uh, quick to get to the table uh, based on the mechanism itself or yep. the theme? Just stuff like that. So we have like three di our different criterias for how this goes. So ease of play And is, how simple and familiar the rules are. are yeah. Cool. And obviously, like we said at the top of the episode, Love Letter is a very simple rule set. It's literally eight cards, mm -hmm. um, eight, 18 total, or nine different cards, and they are broken down into numbers, which we'll get into in more detail, with... Daniel, you're starting us off. No, that's that's Tails. That's Tails, yeah. You're starting us off. I'm using a different chip than I normally do. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting us off. Yeah, so the one I picked, I, I knew I had to pick at least some small cards, but I wanted a card game that has very meaningful choice as far as how you're going about it. Mm -hmm. You're... Unlike Love Letter, you're not trying to outlast everybody. You're trying to get the most points in this game. And the, and the game is played over 15 very quick turns, and everyone plays simultaneously. The game I chose as the best comparison for the ease of play and simple rule set is... Um, I have the version called Raj, but it's called What the Heck is how this works. I have no clue what this is. Um, we I, I know we've played this before. And so the version I have has tiles. And the tiles are worth anywhere from 1 to 10 points... Or negative one to negative five points. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has a deck of cards that's numbered one to 15. And so we all choose a single card from our hand. We put it face down and we reveal it. That's the only time during the entire game that you're allowed to use that. So once it's done, it's done. Mm -hmm. Whoever has the highest number will take the victory points. Unless it's negative, whoever has then the lowest will take the negative victory points. However, the catch is if more than one player play the same number then those are canceled out, and okay. they cannot win. Simple as that. So if you play a 15, I play a 15, and our third player, um, Dom, plays uh, 13, then we cancel out, he takes it because he played the highest number. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's all it is. It's 15 turns of that. It almost sounds like um, that Christmas one. The Santa's, not Santa's, the, the one with the stained glasses, the 12 Days of Christmas. Oh, kind of. Kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm sure part of it was based off of that, because that's the lowest number gets it, and that's just because it's a pyramid deck, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I'm sure that was based off of it. It's by Alex Randolph, I believe, made the original one, and there's a lot of different companies that made different versions of the game, mm -hmm. but it's an absolutely brilliant game. Is it's it in print? Those... Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's currently right now from Amigo, um, under the name What the Heck. And that's that's the one I know of. But like oh, I said, I have, okay, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have Raj as the version I have, where it's like some... Indian carpet thing, whatever. Um, the theme is really loose. It doesn't matter. But the card game, the card play is really simple. Um, everybody just has their hand of numbered 15, numbers 1 through 15. Mm -hmm. You could play it with like a, a pencil and a paper if you wanted to. If you wanted to just have like the little cards that you wanted to bid for. Yeah. And there's a lot of different versions. Really simple. You literally just heard all of the rules. That's it. You play it 15 turns. Most points at the end of the game wins. That's it. That's the game. All right. So I'm not going along the same lines as you are, like small amount of cards and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, 
because, like I said, this one was actually one of the harder ones. The, that the I only reason, with the only reason I went with small amount of cards is literally I was like, how, like the ease of play is very simple. You're literally numbers one through fifteen, yeah. and then you just all simultaneously bid. Yeah. that's a very easy idea. Instead of play a card, if it's higher, it's probably better. Yeah, and the thing is, you have a much larger uh, understanding of board games compared to me because you you. You Maybe. more along the lines. You look more at the mechanistic. Uh, I love the of games yes. and stuff like that. What? Oh, sure. this is kind of like this, or this is kind of like that. Yeah. I look at the different things like the fun, the time constraint, the simpleness yeah. of things. Yeah. And for me, my pick for ease of play is probably one of the best bidding games out there. Very simple. I know uh, it can be tricky to buy it sometimes. I've seen it still out there. I don't know who has the rights of to it right now, but that is for sale. Oh, okay. Uh, this is... I can see that. There's a lot of fun here. It's very <laughs> simple. It's just a deck of cards and some cardboard shits, especially if you get, like, one of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. You're basically playing in two different rounds. You're using your money to buy houses, and then you're using those houses to gain the money back. Because what you're doing is what you're buying those houses and then selling those houses to gain money back. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting the way it works, too. It's because it's a small deck of cards... Everybody knows what's out there. Everybody knows how much money you have. Uh, and then so, okay, I'm going to bid this. Or yeah, I'm going to bid this. And you keep doing that until someone wins the bid and they take the card. And whoever doesn't win anything, <laughs> you get what's left over out of all that. Sure. Uh, and I think it's a closed economy system, too. So, like, the money mm-hmm. that is spent is sent to the other players, if I remember. No, 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 no. It's, it's not. It goes into, no, it goes into the pool. Uh, and yeah, you, you have to continue houses. bidding. But the problem is, whoever... As soon as somebody goes out, they pay half of what, what they've they, already bid. Yeah. And they, so half, like if I bid three, it's rounded up. So I pay two yeah. and I take the lowest one at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but it, all that, because all the stuff that you put into the pool is what you're going to be bidding on in the next round when you're selling the houses. No, or no, because it's going to be another deck of cards, which are the. Right. Those are the checks that you're the selling checks, the houses yeah, well, th- Those are where the money's coming from right. too. But what you're trying to do is make the most money. And so mm-hmm. you're buying the houses using the money that you have. Then mm-hmm. you're selling the houses to make even more money. So you're trying to sell the houses for a profit. Sure. And so everybody knows what everybody has at the point when we're getting to the selling of the house. So if I know you have the space station and this is a big thing, do I really want to go for the highest one if I know the space station might be coming out or if it already got spent? And then I'm like, okay, maybe I do want to go for, I don't want to put a trailer park out there right now. Maybe right. I want to get a better chance at a better high paying cost. So yeah, I do really like this game a lot. I think it's one of the easiest auctioning games out there too. Yeah. Uh, it's very quick, just like Love Letter. And it, actually has a lot of laughs to it too yeah it's like why 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 would you sell that for that what my favorite thing about that game is that if a bunch of really good cards come out yeah you can always get in a bidding war over or or you could just leave really early and get something pretty good for cheap yeah exactly like that's one of the best parts about it or if like you have a whole bunch of garbage and one good card everyone's just dumping money to not get just absolute trash. Yeah. Or you might just cut your losses and you're like, eh, I'll just take a bad one and let you guys figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that cool dynamic that's Yeah, going I, I do it. like that one a lot. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, let's go on to replay value. Here yeah. we go. And to answer your question about replay value, it's something that has expansions, uh, it gives you a different minimum number of plays of full experience, uh-huh. and... Um, and uh, player count and... Yes, the player count. Yep, the player count. Uh, so, and it's me, right? Yep. Uh, so mine is, this is quite possibly the simplest game on my list here. And the reason being I went with this one specifically is mm-hmm. just like Love Letter, you can pick up any plethora of IP on this one. And so this one is a very simple, rummy-like game that has a little mm. itty-bitty Funko on this one. Yep. And this is something wild. The one I specifically have is something wild Toy Story, but you can pick up anything Disney, Star Wars. Uh, so there's like Disney themes, Star Wars. I think there's a Steamboat Willie version, uh, and there's just a bunch of versions, and they can be intermingled too. Yep. And you get special powers depending upon the cards you're playing. You're basically just making sets of cards. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how you draw the cards. It's another bidding, no? Or 
Because you're playing cards out and you're trying to build a set of them. If you play a special card, you get to use Yeah, you could either draw or play. Yes, because you're trying to be the first one to get, uh, what is it, like three... Three sets. Three sets, uh, three victory points, basically. Uh, And so whenever you get a victory point, you also get a special ability. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if you play a card out with that has an iteration of the special character, uh, so the one I have is Woody, you get to use Woody's power and stuff like that. So... It's a really cool game. I like it a lot. It's Like I said, there's a plethora of it, and that's why I went with this on the replay value aspect of things is because pick your poison on this one. Yeah. I went with Toy Story because, one, everybody has the Star Wars one, and I love Toy Story, and it doesn't get enough love. Right. Absolutely. So I went with replay value in a slightly different approach because I a lot of what I have in Love Letter is I have the regular version, I have the wedding version, I have the... Um, the Santa version, like I have yeah. a bunch of different versions, but the two versions that I really enjoy, I have the deluxe one, which mm-hmm. you can play up to like eight players, and I also have the um, Cthulhu one, which is like up to six players, and those are expansive, and they have other levels on top of it of how you can play. Okay. Like um, uh, the princess one, that one is really neat, because it has, um, or princess princess, I, I forget the name of the anime or the comic or whatever. But that, that was an IP one. That was a new version that was really interesting that I think Renegade made. Um, they've licensed it a little bit. They've had Star Wars and all those others. So I went with a lot another game that has a bunch of different versions, but also has like large and small versions of the game. Okay. And so that's my justification for it, because this is a very different game. If you like how um, like how you said, pick your poison in the kind of game, yeah. I went with Ticket to Ride. Because I really like how there's the quick portable versions in the city collections. Mm-hmm. That That is very akin to like the standard version of Love Letters to me. Yeah. But if you want something a little bit beefier, a little bit bigger, like the deluxe version, then you can go the regular Ticket to Ride and or expansions on top of it. Or just the um, Europe or yeah, Rails exactly. and Sales. Rails and Sales, yeah. There's a lot of ways where you can like either go bigger or go smaller. But yeah, it's funny when we're it. talking about like the Rails and Sales because it's a little bit more complicated than most Ticket to Ride. Yeah. Well, then they have what? What is it? Lost Legacy, which is the more complicated version. Of... <laughs> it was like a spiritual successor, right? Yeah. yeah, Lost Legacies. It it's not quite love letter, but it does start with two L's on purpose. Yeah, you know that kind of hints in. But yeah, that's where I went with replay value. I feel it. They both scale well, but again, two to four players for. The city versions, and it's playable in like fifteen minutes. No, so, I get you that. It's a yeah. bit of a stretch, but I, it is. It <laughs> is. You know, this is the one that I really feel like I have to justify myself. On. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're not wrong. All right, let's move on to meaningful choice. This is how your impacts or how well you can impact other players. This is how well tactics, skills, and strategy play into the field. And this is also the depth of how. Uh, or do arbitrary choices or analysis paralysis affect the gameplay? Yeah. Here we go. And that'll be me. Yep. All right. The one I picked, I put a little press your luck card game that I don't believe is in in for sale right now, but there's been a lot of versions of it, and you could probably pick it up pretty easily. Um, this version has ten suits of cards. Um, each ones have a number of values to them, anywhere from I think the same about one to seven, give or take. And each one has its own little ability. Just like in Love Letter, each of the numbers have their own ability of what you're trying to do. But in this game, you're trying to get the most points by getting the best of each of those different suits. This is Dead Man's Draw. You don't like this game, I know. This is a press your luck card game. It is quite a bit different as far as the the fundamental strategy. But really... You're pressing your luck in a way with Love Letter. Because on Love Letter, you draw a second card in your hand. You have a hand of one card, and you get draw a second one. And you play one, or discard one of those face up. For everyone to see, the information starts deteriorating as it goes. People become more targets as they as it's more likely that they'll have like the princess or the higher numbers. Because you want to either outlast everybody and have the highest number, or be the last person standing in each round. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. In... Um, Dead Man's Draw, there is that press your luck aspect where you try and, where you deal a card one by one by one, and you can continue going as long as you do not draw a, a second card of the same suit. At that point, you bust and you lose your cards. So when you get those cards, a lot of them give you abilities when you score them and or when you play them. 
Like, for example, if I play a sword, I can steal the top card of one of your stacks, add it to my line. That potentially is good. Or a hook, I can actually steal one of my own. A cannon will let me discard one of your cards. Um, the oracle will let me take a look at the top card. There's a bunch of different cool little variations depending on each of the suits. Some aren't as good as others on purpose, and that's because they're just less valuable. But at the same time, you're dealing these out, you're seeing these cool abilities to the point where... Um, and you're affecting other players' strategies in the same similar idea where you could effectively, you know, knock somebody out if you're really akin to doing so. I like it. I love this game. I adore it. I I respect your restraint. <laughs> I'm not um, saying anything. You really don't like this game that much, do you? Not really. And I love push-your-luck games. This one just it did not hook me the first few times I played it. And no. It I just, don't know. Yeah, I don't know what what, no. what it's about, but just not a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not in print right now. I don't think, but it might be. Um, Mayday Games know. has it in, or has it. Um, and also, I don't know if they're printing. It's also very bland too. It's it's basically. I mean, I don't think it's that bad. It it's bland compared to some of the artwork in games now. Love Letter has better artwork than Dead Man's Draw. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're both they're both. You know, they have their fans. <laughs> you know, I'll put it that way. But I don't think the art is terrible. All right, so for my meaningful <laughs> I've made choice... i my case. For my meaningful choice here, the original version has better art than uh, Dead Man's Draw. And that's saying something, because I've seen what the original version is. But the one I picked is actually the newer version that you can pick up. Uh, it's one of my favorite games played by or made by one of my favorite designers. It's a nice little simple card game. This one is made by Phil Walker Harding. This mm -hmm. is Archaeology, the New Expedition. This was on my short list for Meaningful Choice, actually. <laughs> and you can see when I scratched off Archaeology to put Dead Man's Jaw instead. <coughs> so, I, I don't disagree with this. Uh, one, first off, it's highly replayable. It has a variable setup where you're playing with different um, places that you can go, like the pyramids or mm -hmm. temples and stuff like that. And they all have their own different versions of setups. It's highly expandable to, well, not expandable, but to an extent where you can go from a four-player game to a six-player game. You only take out certain things. Um, <coughs> like if, So if you're dealing with thieves, you only put so many thieves in for uh, the player count. You only put so many dust storms for the player count. Um, if you're playing less than five or six players, you take certain uh, items out of the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really do love this game. It's One, it's simple play because you're just drawing a card off the top of your deck and then you're deciding if you're going to do a swap with the market <coughs> or you're going to sell um, to the museum for your points at the end of the game. You're basically making uh, certain sets, but you can never combine sets. So if I sell these two uh, uh, coins, I can add coins to that. I have to start a whole new set. So you're trying to accumulate the best uh, set collection, uh, as you can say, a set of cards. But then you got thieves coming up that can steal cards from you. If you don't, if you've already used your tent to basically block the first sandstorm, then you have to discard your cards rounded up. So if I have five cards in my hand, I have to discard three cards to the... Um, to the table uh, yep. for other people to buy and so and then when you're buying cards you have to use the same amount so if i'm selling two ones to pick up a two i'm getting rid of two cards to the table for everybody to see to pick up one of those other cards mm -hmm. but once i do that that might get me a set of things that i need so i'm going to go ahead and sell this one and what i like about this one too is that you can nickel and dime this game and still have a good chance of winning so by selling like broke what is it not broken cups it's like tab broken tablets and there's one other ones where they're only worth like a point uh yeah, or pottery only worth, yeah pottery shards they're only worth one but if you set uh sell a big set of them they're not going to give you as much points as if you're selling say two pharaoh's mask sure but if i sell a five of these or four of these i'm still in the running even though you have two pharaoh's masks over there because yeah that's 15 points for you but this set right here just gives me all all these right here give me twenty points. So I yep. am basically being the uh, used car salesman of this stuff right. and still having a chance to beat the millionaire archaeologist over there with the feral mask. So I like about this one. There's a little kind of push your luck aspect because you can try to use the map just to score you points at the end of the game or use the map to give go through one of the temples or stuff like that to possibly give you better cards because you mm -hmm. don't know what's in there. 
Uh, so I do really, really like this game a lot. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was on my short list. I don't disagree with you. Um, yeah, let us continue. Let us continue <laughs> to Game Immersion. Like I said, I respect your restraint. Game Immersion. Um, I'll be starting us off. Game Immersion is pretty simple. It's it. How likely are you going to be re- role-playing this game? Mm-hmm. How likely does the theme of the game come out through its gameplay? Is it fun to lose, and does it give you those memorable moments? Um, with Love Letter, I feel very strongly like... It's one of those, like, kind of like a trick-taking game where the kind of card I play, what I end up choosing to play, mm-hmm. tells a lot of information about what I might have. Yeah. And and there's and there's reasons why sometimes you might choose to play suboptimally on purpose to throw people off the scent or even play better knowing that it's going to probably, you know, run you down in the long run. There's a lot of really good choices that are involved in that. And with that, I feel in a way, knowing what card people have in their hands and slowly deducing what they could and might may or may not have is akin to something like, uh, almost like a hidden role game. But I didn't want to compare it to like, it, it's not a hidden role game, right? But I wanted something where what you the hidden information you have can either gain you an advantage if you can bluff it well enough, or be your detractor, depending on how you how you choose to make your choices every turn. Okay. So I picked Coup as my as okay. my game immersion game. Yep. Um, for those of you who are not have not played Coup, it's set in like the Resistance universe or whatever from indie board and cards, and it's a really simple game. You're trying to get first to ten credits wins or something to that effect, and you have two character cards that are face down, and you can use the ability of any character card you want. However, if I use one that of one of the cards that I actually have, then all's fair, no problem. But I could lie and say I have something other than what I have face down. Yep. And at that point, everyone has a choice. If they believe that I that I do have that, then they can just leave me alone. But if for some reason, like let's say Daniel calls me on and says, I don't think you have that ability. Because some of them are better than others. Yeah. If I'm able to reveal it, then he gets penalized. If if I am unable to reveal it because I was lying, then I get penalized. If you get two eliminations, then you're pretty much out for the game. So again, it's one of those last person standing or the or the first to ten points having the highest points. So I feel like there's a lot of immersion. There's a lot of shifty eyes. There's a lot of that debate. It's like, wait a minute, you just said a third ability that is totally different than the others. Were you lying then or are you lying now? Like. It's similar to, like, in Love Letter, when you play the card, you're like, all right, I'm going to play the Baron, and then you compare the cards, and then one person who had, like, a number six, just like, well, I'm out, and you're like, wait, what? That tells me you have a seven or, or an eight. That's, that's the only possibility. But I think they had the eight, you know, and then you had that double guessing. Yeah. Um, They're very different games, but they definitely feel immersive in the same way. I get the same... Um, interactivity with a lot of them and i feel like even if you completely butcher yourself and mess up terribly you still have the game's only gonna last like 10 minutes yeah so you still have you can just deal it up do it again and the more you play the more you learn about it so cool that's my game immersion recommendation yeah, another one I'm not a fan of, but hey, I mean, to each their own. I'll admit, I'm not the biggest fan of it either, but... Um, <laughs> it fits this category. It, it very much... I couldn't think of a better example of this. All right, so my game immersion, this is one This is one is my bit of a stretch here. Okay. Uh, and this one is just because I was talking to my wife about this, and she's like, well, why not... To get this? to right. No, no, no it's, <laughs> not, it's not as much of a stretch as that. <laughs> this is a straightforward little card game, um, and it's basically two games. So I put one that I personally prefer, but I have it on here for both. And this one is Marvel Remix slash Fantasy Realms. And the reason being is because there is a bit of hidden information. Nobody knows what you have in your hand. But sure. as you're playing cards out, people are kind of getting an understanding of what you're looking for as you're playing. So if I'm I like, see. if I'm drawing a card off the top, either I'm good with what I have or there's nothing out on the table that I need. So let's see what happens here. And then you're also playing with me personally with the Marvel Remix. The reason why I like this one is because you're pulling from two decks. So, and the way you need to win this game is you need to have at least one villain 
And okay. you need to have at least one hero or sidekick. And if you don't, you cannot win the game. You get no points. And so you're trying to get that little push and pull of how do I get this to start scoring for me here? And I see my buddy over here picking up Captain America, and I know I have his shield in my hand, but I really don't need this shield. It's not going to score me any points. But I know it's going to give him bonus points over there. So it's like, do I discard this, or do I just keep it over here because it's going to give me maybe two or three points, but I know it's going to mess him up. It's like it's a four-point swing where you're trying to figure out how you're going to do this uh, and stuff like that. So I love that little push and pull aspect where you're sure. trying to read where everybody's going and then you see someone discard a villain. And I'm like, that villain would work so much better over here than it would there. Yep. So then this one in my hand right here, who's blank because I have this card in this hand. So let me drop this. I get this villain back up over here and you're just doing that little push and pull. Or you could just be like, I like this hand, uh, the score of cards in my hand. I'm just going to draw off the top, and I'm going to immediately... Oh, wait, hold on. Ooh, does this work better than what I have? Because you're basically just trying to push it to where there's 10 cards on the table. Mm -hmm. Once that happens, game's over. You're scoring up your points. Whoever has the most points wins that game. And uh, along the same lines as Love Letter, this gets played over and over again. It's just not one game of it. It gets played two or three times in a row just because of everything that's going on and that little push and pull aspect of it. And this one gives you more of that game immersion because you're you're feeling like, okay, I really need to get this to work with this before I can get this to work. Okay, these three work well. I'm going to put these to the side because I don't right. want to discard these. These are the, the cards I do need to discard. Oh, hold on. Let me grab those three back over here and see what that's over yeah. there. Because this might work better than this card over here. I do like this game a lot. And if you don't like the Marvel aspect of things, you can play it with the fantasy version. Which <laughs> kind of gives you the same art style that you expect from Love Letter. Because yep. of the whole, you know, princesses and stuff like that. So it's pick your poison in this one. I personally prefer the Marvel remix because it's just a, a little bit more of a push when you're dealing with the villains aspect too. Cool. All right, and on to our last category. This is um, art and production. This is, you know, the graphic design, the iconography, the quality of the cards, the pieces, the components, the packaging, the whole the whole shebang. Yeah. And um, I know you have a slightly different version. I did go pretty deluxe on this one, which I'll explain when we get there. Which is funny, because I actually did not go deluxe on this one. Wow. Okay, surprisingly enough. We, we flipped our script. No, actually, so... Um, I compared mine to the deluxe version that I was talking about earlier. Okay, like yep. Love Letter, the deluxe version comes with um, comes with sleeves. It comes with thick cards. Like mm -hmm. the tarot size cards are big. Um, it comes in a magnetic box. That's beautiful. Looks like a book. It's gorgeous, right? Yeah. Um, and then I remembered the uh, Lovecraft letter, and I was like, okay, the the version that's Cthulhu themed. It looks like it's in an old beat up book. Like, and I love that components. And then the original version of Love Letter uh, came in, like, a clamshell thing, but it also comes with, like, um, a little velvety bag yeah. that you can carry the tokens in. So I was like, what game has, like, all of that, but then it also has the same theme, so it has, it, it's it's a it's a micro game, it's a two-player, head-to-head, you, you only play with, like, a hand of, like, six cards or something, right? And it's two-player, head-to-head, or, like, whoever wins more rounds... And it's Cthulhu themed, and it's in like an old style book, and it is in a beautiful con uh, production. It even has like a velvety bag for the cards, beautiful components. This is from my friends over at Thing Twelve Games. This is Seals uh, of Cthulhu. Okay, yeah, yeah. The production on that is it, that is the best micro game production I've ever seen, and that barely unseated Love Letter when the Love Letter Deluxe version came out. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I haven't played this game, so I'm, I'm not it's, exactly sure. When if One of these days, I'm going to have to show you like the pieces and components, and you'll be like, yeah. Well, I've seen I, the pieces and components. I saw my gamma. Yeah. Oh, then you know. I, I know then how you, good it yeah. is. It's just yeah. I haven't played it. Again, two-player games just a, doesn't right. get played here, so. Now, in my defense, though, I didn't go bigger. I just went based off of their it's best version yeah. of, of that. So, you know, pick your poison, but either way. So, my uh, art production pick here, it's, it's a small card game. Uh, I don't even remember how many cards are in it, but it's to the point where I took it out of the case that it came in and it's sitting in one of those photo cases over there <laughs> with my love letter, who's also in their own little case over there. Uh, it's very, very simple. It's a beautiful art in this game. 
uh, quite different than what most people are used to when it comes to art. And this is sea salt and paper. Mm, okay. uh, this is one of the more recently new ones out there. Uh, it's a very simple little card game. Uh, and very simple along the fact that it's, you draw one card. Uh, or you draw two cards off the top of the deck. Or one card off one of the two discard piles. When you draw off the top of the deck... You keep one of those cards, and you put the other one on one of the two discard piles. Unless one of the discard piles is empty, and then you have to put it in the empty pile. Then you can, if you have a set of certain cards, you can play those out in front of you, which will give you a special power. Or you can even decide to call the game. And there's two ways you got to do this. Either you can say, one more round, and you're saying, I have the most points... Therefore, I'm pushing my luck to get myself more points, and you'll score everything that's in your hand or in what's on the table in front of you. Uh, or you could say, complete stop. You have to have seven points in your hand for you to do either one of these things. Mm -hmm. And you call a complete stop, and everybody just scores what's in their hand or what's on their table. However, when that happens, if somebody has the four mermaid cards that are in the deck, they automatically win the game. Otherwise, you score up the points. The first person to hit 36 points, uh, I think in a three-player game, I forget what it is, in four players, I think it's around roughly the same area, the game ends. You know, whoever has the most points at that point wins. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do like this game. I've actually seen it won by the most points where I just kind of trashed you and Dom when we played yep. it. Just because you're like, why do you keep calling this? And the thing is, like, I got my seven points. I'm going to call a stop right here, mm -hmm. play these cards out, tack up my points. I'm not even going to try to go for the whole push your luck. I've seen that work well, too, uh, when I played it with uh, my other group. Mm -hmm. And I also seen my wife win the game in that same game where, like, my buddy ended up getting, like, ten points or something like that because he pushed it and ended up winning. I had the most points. And then my wife ended up winning in the next round because she had all four mermaids. So when I called a stop, because I'm like, I got my points here, uh, I had like eight points and stuff like that, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my points. And my wife's like, I win, right? And I'm like, son of a, when did you get all four of those? <laughs> yeah, and she won it automatically, so I do like this game a lot. The art is gorgeous. Really good card stock. Uh, so it's along that line's uh, love letter for me. Cool. Awesome. So there you have it. Uh, those are some games that, based on our criteria, how we do our board game breakdowns, um, and how we do our top eight debates, those criteria are set <coughs> in stone for us, and we hope that they'll help you find your next favorite game. But with that being said, if you ever want to join us um, and contact us directly, you can email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com, whether that is to give us ideas for future episodes, discuss on topics, or even just to say hello, or possibly enter in future contests. Stay tuned for that. EverydayBoardGames2020 at gmail.com. As well as all video re-uploads are found on YouTube under youtube.com slash at everydayboardgamespodcast. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. And if you want to join us on a live episode, like our friend Sora or anybody else who joined us in our chat today, uh, you can join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames, where you can hear us and join in on the conversation during a live episode. And please subscribe over there, so that way you can be notified when we go live. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, Podbean, and Apple. And we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we have survived yet another episode. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.